Our text today comes from Genesis chapter 45, uh, verses 1 through 15. And what I'd like to do is to go ahead and read that text, and then we'll kind of uh, uh, jump back and then uh, come at it. Uh, um, and so I think the easiest thing will be just to go ahead and read it all together, and then uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll take a look at some of the things that we see here. So this is Genesis chapter 45 verses 1 through 15. Many commentators believe this is the most important text in all of the Joseph saga and all of the many chapters that we have in the Bible dealing with Joseph. And so uh, these, these are important verses. Verse 1, 45, chapter 45. Joseph could no longer stand it. There were many people in the room, and he said to his attendants, Out, all of you. So he was alone with his brothers, when he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly the Egyptians could hear him, and word of it quickly carried to Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. So they came closer. And he said again, I am Joseph your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset, and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. This famine that has ravaged the land for two years will last five more years, and there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. And God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. <coughs> and he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace and the governor of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and tell him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me master over all the land of Egypt. So come down to me immediately. You can live in the region of Gosen where you can be near me with all of your children and grandchildren, your, your flocks and your herds and everything you own. I will take care of you there, for there are still five years of famine ahead of us. Otherwise, you, your household, and all your family, your animals will starve. Then Joseph added, look, you can, set, you can see for yourselves, and so can my brother Benjamin, that I really am Joseph. Go tell my father of my honored position here in Egypt. Describe for him everything you have seen, and then bring my father here quickly, weeping with joy. He embraced Benjamin, and Benjamin did the same. Then Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them. And after that, they began talking freely with him. Well, the last time that we saw Joseph, do you remember what was going on last week? Uh, uh, Joseph was the chosen favorite son and Jacob had no qualms in, in showing that he was more loved than the rest of his brothers. Joseph liked to show off the, uh, the, the special robe or, or coat that his, uh, his father gave him, the one of either many colors or long sleeve. Uh, he, he, Joseph liked to share the visions that he had received about how all of his brothers were going to bow down before him and how even all of his family, his mom and dad included, would bow down before him at his feet. And they were just fed up, up to here and past uh, of Joseph's actions. And so his brothers decided to throw him into a dry well. 
and then they decided to sell him into slavery, and he ended up in Egypt. And as the story continued from Potiphar's house to prison to then the royal palace, Joseph made his way up the ladder, as it were. The brothers told the father that he had died, been killed by wild animals, and his father was inconsolable, and the brothers had to live with their father's grief every single day. You know, there's, there's just so much hurt in this family. There's so much deceit and treachery. Even now when Joseph is revealing himself, his brothers have been in his presence numerous times, and Joseph hasn't told them who he was. He has them thrown in jail and still didn't reveal who he was. You know, with all the hurt that there is, the, the, the favoritism, the jealousy, the resentment, the rage, the deceit and treachery, you wonder, can anything good come from all of this? Is there any way that this can end up on the positive side? You know, it's possible that you might have experienced some similar kinds of hurts in your family and in your life. And as you think about the pain that has been inflicted on you or the pain that you have experienced, you wonder, is there any way that I can recover from this? Is there any way that I can find some sort of good? Now, what's interesting is when the brothers think about what they've done, and evidently they thought about it quite a bit, their reaction to what Joseph, uh, what happened to Joseph was to pretty much wallow in guilt and self-despair. Woe is me, and woe are us. <laughs> now, some of their guilt is appropriate. Guilt in and of itself is not necessarily a bad thing. But now they're suffering the consequences of their actions. See, the brothers view themselves as victims and targets of God's anger and wrath. Uh, with everything that's happened, when the brothers have to come to Joseph and, and then he throws him in jail, uh, it, it's interesting what their response is and what immediately comes to their mind. Uh, in, in chapter uh, 42, in verse 21, as they're in prison, they say to themselves, clearly we are being punished because of what we did to Joseph long ago. We saw his anguish when he pleaded for his life, but we wouldn't listen. That's why we're in this trouble. Reuben said, didn't I tell you not to sin against the boy, but you wouldn't listen? And now we have to answer for his blood. And then a little bit later, uh, they'll say, uh, uh, what has God done to us? You know, it's common when things happen for us to think that this is God getting back at us, that God's been waiting for the chance to get even and to heap a little bit of something on top of us. But, but if we have that kind of perspective about God, every failure, it can be taken as punishment for something. And we live every moment in fear thinking, oh, when is the other shoe going to fall? When is this going to happen? You know, it's easy to think of a world very idealistic and very mature, but it's easy to think of a world where if we just do good, good things will happen. And when we do bad, bad things will happen. Sounds very simple. 
The reality is that life isn't like that. We know some really good people that have had horrible things happen in their lives. And we knew some really bad people <laughs> that have had extreme fortune come their way. So whenever something happens that can be perceived as bad or negative, we shouldn't automatically jump and assume, jump to and assume that this is God getting back at us. But now some guilt is normal. And actually guilt is a healthy response to times when we mess up. But the guilt that leads to despair and it leads to harming ourselves or, or leads to uh, 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 um, uh, 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 a negative reaction towards ourselves and to those around us is not healthy and it's not productive and it serves no good, useful purpose. The guilt that leads, leads to repentance and change is healthy and can lead to life. Now, in this story, the brothers do seem to repent. They seem to recognize and, and are aware of how they messed up. But, but the author of Genesis doesn't want to spend much time there because the author of Genesis wants to highlight what's happening in Joseph's heart and how he is going through a significant emotional change. The text tells us that Joseph cried. He wept. He wept so loudly that everyone standing outside in the hall could hear it, and they ran and told Pharaoh. And then at the end of our reading, Joseph weeps again on Benjamin's neck. What, what, what do you think Joseph was crying about? What was it that was generating those tears? What, was he thinking of the ways that he had kind of created a lot of this problem or that he had added wood to the fire? What was he thinking about how he had uh, egged his brothers on and kind of made fun of them and then told stories about them to their dad? Surely he was thinking about and remembering the pain that he had gone through, the years of being a slave, the years of being abused, uh, the pain that these brothers have inflicted in his life. You know, memories of hurt are, are, are painful. Uh, remembering something that happened can bring up demons that can haunt us because they live with us. And, and, and the problem is we don't only remember the moment or the event or the action, but we also remember the feelings of rejection, the feelings of fear, the feelings of, of confusion when things were happening to us. And so what, what do we do with that? We, we don't want to keep carrying it on forever and ever, just this baggage that's just so heavy and burdensome. You know, it's easy to say, eh, forgive and forget. It's all good. What comes around goes around. It'll be okay. But, you know, it's virtually impossible to forget those hurts, especially if we have reminders. What, what does Joseph do? You know, the first thing he does is he doesn't pretend like nothing happened. His brothers are there, and he doesn't say, yeah, don't worry about it. No. He points out, you guys 
sold me into slavery. You tried to kill me. You guys didn't act in a way that the brother should. But more importantly than focusing on their actions, Joseph is able to see the hand of God. And in these verses where he talks about what, how he has seen God, he mentions God four times in these verses. It was God who brought me here. It was God who had this purpose in mind. It was God who was acting behind the curtain, as it were. Last week, we mentioned that God is often hidden in our lives. And we can ask the question, where was God when Joseph was being a brat? We could ask the question, where was God when Joseph was sold and was falsely accused and thrown into prison? Where was God when all of that was happening? Well, now in hindsight, Joseph is able to recognize the hand of God. And even after Jacob dies, his brothers are worried that Joseph has just been kind of play acting and he's holding up all this wrath. And as soon as Jacob dies, then he's going to unleash. But at the end of chapter 50, uh, Joseph reiterates, I truly do forgive you and I will treat you kindly because God has brought me here. I don't know about you, but I have a little bit of problem with this idea that God is the one who did all this because it almost sounds like then it's okay. If God was the one behind all of this abuse, the treachery, the deceit, uh, then it all worked out. And so in the end, everything's fine. It doesn't really matter. My personal actions don't matter if everything turns out okay. Perhaps you've heard or maybe you've even said, everything happens for a reason. <laughs> well, you didn't get that promotion. Eh, it's all right. Everything happens for a reason. Something horrible happened to you. It's okay. God has a plan for you. I mean, look at Joseph. He was abused, sold into slavery, framed for adultery, and it led to him saving his whole family. And so it must have been okay. You see, that's just, that's just so disturbing. And it's so unsatisfying. If it's true, and we follow this through, then, uh, then Joseph's brothers get a pass because God was the one that was doing this, and they had no responsibility, and they were okay. You know, if God looks back over history and say, well, the end justifies the means, and so all of this that happened is ultimately okay, and <laughs> Joseph's brothers could think they're the heroes. Because of them and their actions, the entire people of Israel would be saved. If they hadn't sold Joseph into slavery, then Joseph never would have been in a position of power. To say that everything happens for a reason is to minimize the hurt and the hurtful actions and the pain that people have experienced. Joseph doesn't thank his brothers. <laughs> he doesn't say, thank you for throwing me in that well and save, selling me into slavery. <laughs> he forgives them, but he doesn't let them spin it as it was something good. One author <laughs> put it this way, as it turns out, 
Beating up your brother and selling him into slavery is wrong, no matter what the outcome of the story. It's wrong. But see, I think what Joseph is really saying is the same thing that Paul is going to say in Romans 8, 28, centuries later. In everything, God works for the good of those who love him. God works for our good. In all things, good and bad, God will work to bring out something good. God has the power and the desire to transform our darkest nights into our brightest days. He can take the worst that we experience in this life and make something good come from it. He doesn't cause the evil, but he transforms the effects that it can have on us into something that is beautiful. He takes our ugly junk and redeems it. He buys it back and then refashions it into something beautiful. God didn't cause the brothers to sin, but he transformed the consequences and the effects of their sin from bad to good. So it's God's actions we celebrate here, not the brothers for having sold Joseph into slavery. Joseph has every right to hold his brothers accountable, but he chooses not to. He chooses to turn his spiritual eyes from the evil to the good that God ended up with. It's a moment of grace, of pure grace. You know, it takes guts to look at your life through this lens of God. It doesn't happen in the moment of the hurt. Sometimes it takes years, reflection, meditation, takes insight from God himself to look back and say, I can see how God used all of that to bring about a good result. So what do we do with the hurts? What do we do with the pain in our lives, in our families, this seemingly unsolvable, unresolvable, unreconcilable situation? I think the first thing we have to do, as Joseph did, is to name it and identify it. Joseph did not have a problem stating to his brothers, you sold me into slavery. You meant to do me harm and evil, and you did. You have to recognize and admit the evil that has taken place. We can't pretend that it doesn't exist. By naming the hurt, we begin the process to dismantle its destructive power. Being honest about our wounds isn't easy. It takes a high level of vulnerability. It's not easy to admit that we've been hurt. It's not easy to forgive. And it's not easy to then live with those we have hurt. But it was God who molded and informed Joseph's heart so that he could see the ultimate good in all this. It was God who gave him the courage and the grace to forgive and now this side of the cross, we can be reconciled because of God's graciousness and mercy through Jesus Christ that he shows all of us. God is in the business of bringing healing and hope in the darkest of moments, in the most horrific of situations, in the most difficult, hurtful things. God can bring about something good. Thanks be to God. If we can help you in your journey and we can help you in your struggles, 
we would be honored to do so. Please let us know how. Text, uh, phone call, you can come by and, and we can have a distanced meeting. Our brother, uh, uh, Cheryl Hudson, one of our elders is here to, to lead us in a prayer for some of the needs and the situations we have going on. And so I, I pray God will be with you and help you as you work through the darkest moments of your life and you wait and long for and work towards those moments of joy. God bless you.